This podcast is sponsored by Rich Products. With Rich Products, you don't need to be a pizza expert. That's them. For over 40 years, they've been dedicated to bringing you innovative solutions that deliciously balance the demands of your consumers with the needs of your operation. From frozen pizza dough to par-baked crusts and flatbreads to fully topped pizzas, Rich's has the solutions you need to please every pizza eater. Learn more at richesusa.com slash pizza. Hello there and welcome to FM On Demand with Tara Fitzpatrick, Food Management's podcast. I'm your host, Tara Fitzpatrick, and today we've got our latest K-12 chef to watch. His name's Chef Andre James, and he's with Machio's Food Service at New Jersey's Plainfield School District. And he is doing some great work with not just the students there, but also the community. And that includes special needs people. And he has a personal story. His brother is special needs. And he has just created this really cool program that uh, is training students and providing meaningful jobs, like just really awesome to hear about. So we talk about that and we kind of catch up about what the, just sort of what it's been like, like the last year of the students came back, but you know, there's still, it's still tough times um, in terms, not just staffing and supply chain, which we hear so much about, but it's like really like communities are, are still kind of hurting and and there's a lot that that you can do as a school food service person um to kind of get in there and make a difference so um i hope you enjoy this conversation k-12 through chef to watch andre james he's definitely somebody that that we are going to be keeping an eye on from now on Hello, welcome, Andre. Thank you so much for being on the podcast as one of our K through 12 chefs to watch. Thank you. Glad to be here. Absolutely. And you are based in New Jersey. This is where the school district is. I wonder if you could tell us a little bit just to start off about the district itself. Okay, so um, yeah, I work in uh, the city of Plainfield, Plainfield Public School School District. Uh, we comprise of roughly um, 12, soon to be 13 uh, schools, uh, one high school, two, two high schools, two middle schools, and nine ele- elementary schools. Uh, current uh, school is being built right now. Due to COVID, it was pushed back a year to reopen. It was scheduled to reopen in September of 2022, but now it's pushed back to September 2023. Okay. Uh, gotcha. We have a population of roughly 10,000 students. So this is a big district. There's, big district, yes. A lot going on. Very cool. And I sort of wanted to see um, and jump right in and talk about summer feeding because that's that's been a big thing for you guys. And like, how did you fare during the pandemic? How did how did things change? And then what are we as we get into this summer? Like, what are you looking at? So the summer feeding um, before the pandemic, uh, we were feeding roughly um, two thousand students. Um, uh, per day uh, within the district and also within the community. Uh, we had about uh, 12 locations uh, mm-hmm. to include uh, the school locations, plus um, the city parks departments, uh, their parks, their pools, and a few preschools. Mm-hmm. It was a normal day. Uh, we would feed breakfast, lunch, and also dinner and snack. Mm-hmm. 
uh, that was pre-COVID. Uh, after doing after COVID, and uh, things changed. Mm -hmm. uh, we had actually dropped down to maybe possibly five uh, school sites mm -hmm. and one preschool. And the district, the, the city decided not to open the parks up or the pools up. So we only um, served out of the basically five sites. Uh, the numbers did drop a lot dramatically because it was a grab and go. Uh, scenario because there was no in-school uh, programs going on. So, but we did allow for, or the waivers did allow for parents or adults to pick up. And we did allow for um, all um, children 18 years or under to pick up, but it still wasn't the volume that we did normally doing our normal school um, summer program. Okay, so it, it wasn't, it was sort of a little bit different. So this summer, is it getting back to what it had been? This summer, um, the plans are getting back to where it has been. Uh, that's where the plans for now. Uh, currently, we have 15 um, locations. Mm -hmm. And uh, the one difference is we only be serving just breakfast and lunch. Uh, the state was not allowed for a dinner or snack program. Gotcha. Okay. And just in general, like this past school year, like kids have been back. Like I know that my daughter is back and it's, it's been good for everybody to just be back in the classroom. So like, how, how has that been sort of going? So what we did, uh, one of the things I spoke to my administrators was when, when we returned back in September, I kind of expressed my concern is I do not want to serve the, um, the cold pre-packaged meals. We wanted to try to serve hot as possible. It's been going on two years. I know the kids are tired of these pre-packaged sandwiches and cold yeah. items, and I'm tired of looking at them too. <laughs> so we gradually phased in um, uh, pre-heated uh, um, packaged meals served off the line in all uh, 12 schools. And during each time, each quarter, we would gradually we um, go to full service. So okay. actually at this time right now, we're actually at full capacity, full service through all of my, uh, my 12 schools. Well, that's so great. that sounds yes. good. And like for your team, I imagine it would be so nice to be getting back together with the kids and like seeing people face to face a little bit more. So it's, that's so encouraging. Yes. Yeah. You, you never um, realize how much you missed them when they're gone. <laughs> so for two years, we didn't see too many kids in school or see some of our staff. You know, uh, some of my staff, I have about 80 employees. Mm -hmm. during, during the pandemic, I may have worked with uh, only 20 of them. So mm -hmm. the remaining 60, we didn't see for almost two, almost close to two years. Wow. Yeah. So it was a big comeback when, when we all finally came back together in September. Right. You know, but of those 20, you know, we managed to, um, to provide food. You know, yeah. we as the uh, Plainfield School District actually upgraded. We were not only doing the food service for the normal school lunches, mm -hmm. we started working with the community. We had um, collaborated with two organizations, the That's United Way of Great Union County. They were providing us with food that they received donated through Amazon on a weekly basis. Yes. And we were giving that to the parents, as to the parents and students. And then I actually arranged with um, the... Livingston Lions Club from Livingston, New Jersey, and they had partnered with me to deliver me 1,200 uh, farmers to family food boxes every week. Oh, so we would have a big um, track and trailer come every Friday. Nice. And we were giving that out to, we had a, um, a drive up 
mm-hmm. uh, uh, food distribution. Yeah. We give that out, and we would normally we have six, seven hundred cars in the parking lot. Wow, you know, covered oh blocks, you know. And yeah. we also would donate some to different organizations within the town itself. Um, senior citizens who could not get out the homes, yes. we would give them boxes. Also, um, the police department, the fire department, the uh, Salvation Army. We became like a big hub. That's so cool. You were able to take so many different groups. And like, obviously, like you saw it with your own eyes that there's a need for this in yes. the community, that this was something that was so needed, is so needed. Um, what's your advice for somebody who would like to partner with an organization like the United Way or their local Lions Club? Or like, would you just say it's best just to kind of see who the contact person is and just ask them? I mean, it's just just ask them, just reach out to them. I was lucky, actually. It was actually by pure accident that I um, um, reached out with the um, United Way. They were they normally deal with um, nonprofit organizations, yeah. and they had this set up where there was like I think fifteen of them. Mm-hmm. One of them didn't show up that, that day. Mm-hmm. They contacted my district and said, "Hey, we have these uh, food here. You think you no, know, you guys want to come pick it up?" Yeah. The school called me. I'm like, sure. Okay, I went. I went to pick it up, and it just started a partnership from then. You know, that's that was awesome. the only like district that. within the whole county, you know, only school that was that was partnered with them. Yeah, yeah. I just, I, it's such a good idea for school food service to be that hub of the community and like, yes. you know, for, for the elderly people and like all these different populations that aren't necessarily directly related to the school. Super yeah. cool. Yeah, and we still we still do it to this day. We still um, a lot of stuff is shelf stable. We saved it, and mm-hmm. so we still have families who are who are who are in need, and yeah. we make up care packages on a weekly basis. Of, That's amazing. That's so good. Care. Yes. <laughs> so, what would be in like a typical care package? And like, as people are thinking, like, what are some things maybe that are good for that type of donation, or things that don't work? Because I know that like at our local food bank there I volunteered and they had like a whole bunch of avocados and they were like we don't know what to do with these and they all were like pretty mushy already so it's I feel like that's a big deal like what you're actually yeah. so yeah. what have you so, learned? Uh, mostly uh um, shelf stable foods uh we would we had a uh, shelf stable uh, uh milks mm. that doesn't have to be refrigerated ha- has a long shelf life we had okay. dry milk uh oatmeal rice pastas uh when we were getting getting the um uh, farmers family food boxes it was just uh dairy products it was some milk eggs um mm-hmm. uh proteins uh chicken ham mm-hmm. ham steaks uh chicken parts you know so more shelf stable type foods that parents can they can heat up at home canned goods are are, are, are great yeah. You know? yeah but something that's that's more perishable like avocados I wouldn't go with. <laughs> I know avocados are pretty extreme, but is there is there any way to do to do something kind of fresh, or is it just too big of a scale where it's like it's just if, not gonna? If it's going to go out right 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 then and then, you can. Yeah. You know, uh, when I was doing it with the with, with the um, community food bank, I mean, and the United Way, we were getting um, pallets. I mean, I would actually load up my truck with four hundred pounds of potatoes. Oh wow! <laughs> you know. 300 pounds of oranges and right then and then because sometimes it was short notice mm-hmm. i'll be on social media hey this is what i have you know i'm going to be at this location in half an hour you know, <laughs> right, or, or, or in two hours and mm-hmm. by the time i get there i have people you know at you no know, ready for it you know yeah so like in terms of leadership you were like 
traffic director. Like, I mean, all the logistics of this is a big part of it too. I think for somebody who wants to get into this, it's like, you need to know like what, where your trucks are at and how, I mean, there's just, there's many pieces and parts. So that's, that's yes. cool. Yes. <laughs> but you're, so, you're yeah, to um, I had to reach out to, you know, um, the local police department, uh, the district um, security, uh, head security, the district building grounds to arrange for all, all of these uh, things to happen, you know, and, you know, Luckily, like you said, schools are a great hub. They have the resources. Yeah. Right. You know, um, I have buildings and grounds. They have a forklift. You know, mm -hmm. they have the parking lot space. You know, they have the manpower to assist us. When we were doing the distribution, I would have principals out there, nurses, secretaries, all directing traffic. Right. So That's cool. Hand. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it's awesome for different departments to work together. And, and it for sure sounds like those buildings and grounds folks, you need to like get in good with them because they've yes. got, they got the forklifts. <laughs> yes. The trucks, but everything. It's like make a good relationship with those people immediately. Cool. And it's, it's just such a value add to the community where they look at what you're doing at the school, feeding, you know, people around the community. And another value add I wanted to talk about was the special ed program at the school. And this too is sometimes like kind of an underserved or overlooked population. So sort of switching gears, I wanna see if you could talk about that program and how it's, you're training um, the students who are in this program, like how does it work? Yeah, so um, I, I have a personal side of it. I have a younger brother who's special needs. Uh, when um, I first came to Plainfield uh, roughly four years ago, I didn't know a lot of the special needs students. So I just wanted to come up with the idea to try to incorporate them in, in some type of life skills. Mm -hmm. So I reached out to the uh, special service department and said, hey, I have this idea. Um, if you have at least three, two to three students who you think will work well in the kitchen, who can mm -hmm. learn skills, who are kind of you know, a little high functional, and be able to do it, and it, it did, you know. So we had uh, three students that would come in for two hours a day with their coaches, and what we did was give them non-cooking tasks. Okay. Uh, they would help tray up cookies. They would help put milk in the air cooler servers. Some um, would take out the trash, sweep the floor, just smaller things, mm -hmm. you know, and that went for a year. That went for the whole school year. Mm -hmm. So after that school year, we had one of them who was about to graduate, and his teacher came to me, was like, no, she's afraid that he's going to regress when he leaves the school. Uh -huh. um, a lot of special needs students, they stay in, in school to their age 21. Okay. And then they go out. Mm -hmm. So I said, listen, this is what we're going to do. I'm going to contact Marcio's, my, my, my company, see if I can hire him on board uh, part-time mm -hmm. at his normal regular rate, you know, not the reduced rate. Yeah. They said it was a great idea. Um, we hired him. He still had to go through the same process that everyone had, the hiring process, the fingerprinting process, you know. But we worked with him, myself, his social worker, and also the school principal. And we brought him on board, and he's been with us going on four years now. Nice. And his That's progression good. from then to now is astronomical. Really? He actually goes, now he actually cooks now. You know, we have him on fries. You know, he, uh, he, he, uh, he, he bakes off pizzas. Oh, you know, okay. he, he knows his duty. You know, we show him one thing yeah. and he does it. He comes to work every day. He's happy. He's more sociable. Uh, the, 
the staff loves him, the students love him because they know him from being in school. So lately, I love that. That's such a good story. That's such a good like success story. It's like, what yeah. if what if everybody can do that? Just hire one person. Like, what yeah. a, what an amazing difference that could make. Yeah. Everybody do it. Yeah, and his, his classmates they come in, they all love him. They, oh, they Sean's here, you know. So um, that was um, this year. We haven't done it because of COVID. So yeah. hopefully in September we we're going to reinstate the program to try to get new students in. I want to try to have a. Um, one special needs help out at least all seven, all twelve schools. We try hire as as many as we can. Absolutely, and you had mentioned that like when they graduate, sometimes it's sort of it's it must be like a jarring ex- experience because is it because they're losing that routine of they're having- losing that routine? Yes, yeah. yes, yeah. yeah. This particular this particular student, he has an older brother who's who's um, also special needs. But he was, um, he graduated long before I got there. Mm-hmm. And they, his, his, the current one um, student or worker, his yeah. parents, his kids know him and they will feel that, no, he's going to come the same way. He's, no, he's going to lose it. Right. So, so this is what we're going to do. We're going to bring yeah. him on board. No. Yeah. It seems there's, there needs to be more, um, more safety nets than that or yes. more, something, something more that comes after that, you know? Yes. For sure, but that's that's why this is such. Again, it's just a really needed thing that you're doing. It's like you. Yeah, and, and to this day, um, this, the district still, this um, community district still helps them out. We have one teacher that cuts his hair every 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 two weeks. Comes in, <laughs> let's go get your hair cut. You know, <laughs> go out. They, uh, my staff goes out and um, he rides a bike. He rides a bike to um to work. We had one of our one of our vendors donate a bike. Uh-huh. A new bike, or the bike he had was kind of too small for me. He outaged it, mm-hmm. you know. So we bought him a new, a new bigger bike, and he was so okay. thrilled about that. <laughs> yes, I love that. That's that's just such a great story. And could, can you tell us a little bit more about your brother? Um, my brother, he's actually he's forty five. He actually lives um, in a group residential group home, which is really about five minutes from where I live at. Okay. You know, but um, he's um, I said he's special needs. He's he's what they call a multiple handicap. Mm. You know, so he he's not as high functional as some of the, the students I work with now. Yeah. You know, but he does go to a day program and lives in the group home. You know, so, so I was, visit him once a day, once that, a week. That's great. And so yeah. it's it's having your brother in your life that kind of led you to to find yes. to find out yes. about this. And I, yeah, it was kind of hard for me because. Uh, my brother, I, even though he lives five minutes from me, um, during COVID, we didn't see him for almost a year and a half. Oh my God, we weren't allowed to see him, yes. you know. I know. And my grandma was in a nursing home too. And we didn't, and that, that ended up being like the last couple of years of her life. So it's, yes. it's really, man, this pandemic was something else. Yeah. And my he even caught COVID uh, in, in the group home. We still weren't allowed to see him, you know, it was like. Yeah. It's, it's a lot. It really yes. is. But, I'm just, I'm so glad that you're just sort of making all these new positive stories. Like, thank you. Very cool. Definitely. And I wanted to get a little bit more into your background. Like, where did you grow up? So I grew up in New Jersey, uh, born and raised in North New Jersey. I spent most of my early childhood in in North. Later on, uh, later teen years, early adult, uh, early to New Jersey. I did join the military when I was 20 years old. Oh, I served the wow. U.S. Army as a uh, as a medic, not oh. as a chef or a cook. 
Thank you um, for your service. Thank you. Thank you. So uh, when I when I um, was in the military, I still did like medical wise. No, but I always had had cooking in my mind. Huh. Uh, in high school, I worked as a dishwasher at a local uh, catering hall in Irvington. And that's where I kind of learned my passion for it. Okay, that was um, foot in the door. For, 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 for cooking and in service. Nice. When I uh, got out the army, I still stayed in the medical field for about five more years. And I loved it. I loved the medical field, mm-hmm. but what my passion. So I guess around now, I was about 34, decided to go to culinary school. I was a late boomer culinary school, nice. you know. And I went to culinary school, the Art Institute in New York City. Mm-hmm. And then I got my first job with another company called Sodexo mm-hmm. with them for like 15 years before I transi- transitioned over to Moscow's food service, you know, and where I'm currently at right now. That you know? is a cool so, story. And has your background as a medic ever helped in like a kitchen emergency? Like if somebody, mm-hmm. I, I always I have like a morbid curiosity. Like I want to know. Yes, absolutely. Yes. Have you uh, somebody up? <laughs> yes, few years ago, I actually had a, a worker had a heart attack. Oh wow! In in, in the kitchen, oh, you know, man. and it, it it was mild. You know, she was um, down. I was like, let's um, call nine one one. She's having a heart attack. You know, so oh, um, we didn't have to do CPR, but it was it was just on on stages of it. You know, so we got it down. Yes, and you know, um, we had people get get cut, we get hurt. You yeah. know, so I know what to do about that. You know, yes. That is a good thing to, to know. And, and yes. I, I think that we all should. I, I really wish that I knew more because I don't think I know the right way. Like when I was a teen, I was a lifeguard and I learned the CPR. And then we've had some, like at work, I believe we had some courses that you could take. But I don't think that I really know it. Like if it came down to it, I don't know. Yeah, I used to be a CPR instructor too. And it's, oh, cool. <laughs> <laughs> so. Yeah. This could be like a sequel to this podcast where like yeah, you just uh, University people. Hospital in North New Jersey as a CPR instructor for the medical students. Oh my gosh. So now they tell you it's you're not doing mouth to mouth anymore, right? No. Only the compressions. That's mm-hmm. that's as far as I know. But yes, we're we are absolutely gonna have to follow up and see. And I had one more question. Yes. Um yeah, before we have this the safety podcast, that's coming up next, folks. Like, we are really going to get into because I think people need to know it. Um, and I'm sorry, my cat is in the background. She is <laughs> sorry. She's really something. All right, my last question for you is, <laughs> I'm gonna let her out. All right, but the question is, what do you? You can start answering. What do you like to cook at home? What can we find you sort of cooking up when you're like in your like cozy zone? So um, at home, I'm really into uh, to barbecue, to smoking smoking meats. Did you say barbecue? Barbecue, okay. yes. My favorite. Yes, barbecue. Yay. I'm into barbecue. <laughs> I have about um, actually four smokers outside in my backyard. Four. So I, I host a lot of I host a lot of uh, parties, and you know I had all four smokers going, different meats in in, in each one. Oh you know, my so that's, that's what I do. You know, before I came to Marshalls, I have a, I have a friend who who asked my mentor when I was in high school. She was a caterer. Oh, she cool. had retired, moved down to Kentucky, opened a, a a barbecue restaurant, and went down there for a year to help her run it. And that was that brought my passion into 
smoking, you know. Very so cool. smoking and also paella. Everyone loves my paella. Ooh, so do you have like a giant pan? I have the giant pan with the oh, whole stand. I actually have a, a catering next week, uh, probably catering for that. Nice. That's such a showstopper. A paella yes. is just like ah, beautiful. <laughs> Definitely. What are what are your favorite meats to smoke? Would you say? Um, my favorite is um brisket. Okay. Brisket. You know, um, my favorite accomplishment was about two years ago, I decided to um, uh, sell uh, smoked turkeys for Thanksgiving. Oh, wow. Cool. So one of the one of the one of the pluses of working with my company, Machios, is they have a barbecue division called Hickory Sticks mm. and they have two 20 um, foot smoking trailers. Nice. I brought one down and I smoked 35 turkeys. Oh, wow. At one time. That's a and lot this, of turkey. It's a lot of turkeys. Yes. Those are, those are big boys, too. Like, that's, yes. man. Yes. I don't like to mess with it. Oh, my gosh. They're, they're, <laughs> just, for, even for like Thanksgiving, I, I make my mm -hmm. mom do it because that's like, uh, I, I just feel like it's the closest that you're going to get to like moving a body somewhere. <laughs> I'm like, I'm yes. like, I can't <laughs> deal with it. It's too much. It's like in the sink, it falls. <laughs> yeah. It's just crazy. But yeah, that's smoked turkey sounds wonderful for Thanksgiving because it's like also, it's like they don't always have a lot of, of flavor. So it's like, why not yeah. put some smoke? Yeah. And, and, and we even, I even smoke, um, you know, you got the uh, USDA commodity turkey roast. Oh, yeah. We smoke those for students for Thanksgiving. I mean, that's going to roast them. We're going to smoke them. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, we have, we are definitely going to be keeping our eye on you. You have lots of good topics that, that I Thank think you could expand on. So, yeah, so happy to meet you and really looking forward to, to just sort of following along and seeing what you do next. So thank, thank you so much for being on the show. And of course, come thank back you for, for the call. We really enjoyed it. <laughs>